The content of the following program is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, treatment, or cure. Always consult your physician or a health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Ready, set, go! And the truth shall set you free! Welcome to One Life Radio. We are going higher indeed, everyone. Happy Fabulous Friday. Welcome to One Life Radio. This is Bernadette Diaschetti with Jerry Caldwell. And we are broadcasting live here from Dallas, Texas on iHeartMedia, as well as KMET in Southern California on ABC News Talk. Jerry, happy Fabulous Friday. <laughs> My gosh, do we have Marlo on the line yet? I guess that's it. You're doing that right now. So we are going to have Marlo uh, Klingman here uh, in a couple of seconds, hopefully. On the line, she is the interim public information coordinator for Dallas Animal Services. Marlo has a background in the film and television industry, but has spent the last or the past six years in animal welfare. We're going to be talking about protecting our pens, pets from URI and CIV, uh, upper respiratory infections, uh, and canine influenza virus. I guess they are running rampant right now, which is no surprise since we are in the winter months where we, none of us, including our pets, get as much uh, vitamin D from the sun, which uh, prevents a lot of disease and keeps us healthy. Uh, and a lot of, and we're indoors. And if you're in a kennel waiting to be adopted, you are spending a majority of your time indoors and not getting uh, that wonderful sunshine and that vitamin D that we all, all, hu- all humans and animals, uh, we're all animals, right? <laughs> At the end of the day, and we all need our vitamin D. So uh, let me know when she's on the line. If she, she's on the line, I'm okay, Marlo. Hey, Marlo, how are you doing? Hi, <laughs> I'm great. How are you? Really good, and it's great to have you with us. I know that Dan- uh, Dallas Animal Services does such a such a tremendous job, you know, trying to help all the animals here in the Dallas Fort Worth uh, or Dallas area, I should say, not Fort Worth. I, that was a Freudian slip mm-hmm. there. But uh, but uh, so, will you remind the listeners about all the services offered uh, at Dallas Animal Services? Absolutely. So the the main thing is adoption. Um, right now, we have, uh, as of this morning, we have 441 uh, dogs available. Um, we have a handful of kitty cats, but for the most part, we have medium and large dogs. Um, adoptions are free. So if you're looking for a new pet, that adoption comes with spay, neuter, microchip, vaccinations, a free vet exam with the VCA Animal Hospitals, plus up to $250 in uh care with that voucher for the vet exam and a free week of dog training with the good pup app so you can do virtual dog training from the comfort of your home and that comes with 25 percent off for life mm, wow well and, you you yeah. guys re- you, you recently did a, a press <clears throat> release right which is one of the reasons that we wanted to have you on the show today uh you're offering uh so th- there's recently been announced that an increase of canine upper respiratory infection or uri uh, in the shelter including the canine influenza virus or civ how quickly can these illnesses spread, uh, Marlo, and how difficult is it to contain them in a shelter-type setting? So it is incredibly hard to contain any illness, especially upper respiratory illnesses like canine influenza, in a shelter environment because they're they're all housed so closely together. They're confined, yeah. Tr- yes, and so, so it's different than, you know, somebody's pet 
who they're just taking out for walks and stuff. And it's a little easier to do what we're trying to call doggy distancing. Um, you had to, we had to socially distance during COVID and mm-hmm. um, now we're encouraging dog owners to do that. And that's much easier, but we can't do it for, for the average person who has a dog, but we can't really do that in the shelter. So we have had to um, create a clean break. We had uh, in December, we were able to get uh, 160 dogs out of the shelter in just three days, which was phenomenal. Wow. We were able yeah. to create a buffer, and um, that buffer allowed us to create a clean break. Um, so we separated the shelter. We have all like one staff, half the staff on one side of the building and half on the other. Nobody mm-hmm. crosses. And um, so we're, when we're slowly trying to take over room by room, um, into uh, clean, unexposed, mm-hmm. and then, but we still have quite a few exposed animals in the building. And that $150 Amazon gift card for um, fostering for 14 days or more, or until the dog gets adopted, um, that is still going on. So if you have, if there are people out there who maybe don't have a dog or they have a dog, but they have a separate room they can keep mm-hmm. um, one of our exposed dogs in. Mm-hmm. That is a great opportunity. But I, I do want to say a lot of those dogs on our exposed side are either currently on medication. They've already recovered from um, canine influenza or another upper respiratory disease. So mm-hmm. they have temporary immunity, just like mm-hmm. we get the flu. We're going to be immune from it for, you know, a couple of weeks to a couple months. Um, and then uh, and then some have never shown symptoms at all. Um, we have a handful of sick dogs. We're getting a lot more tests back that are coming back negative, which is great. Um, but we really do still need a lot of help because 441 dogs is a lot of dogs. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't have quite that many, but you know, I rescue as well, Marlo. And right now I have two foster yeah. dogs uh, um, that I'm taking care of and getting them well. One of them had mange uh, and just trying to get them through all that. One of them oh, is yeah. a great Pyrenees mix. Not sure. A lot of people have different opinions, maybe a Australian shepherd mix along with that. And then just a little black, a little black lab uh a little one. She's the one that's got the mange, but uh, but you get attached to them so quickly. And there's so many animals out there that need homes and and cats too. Let's not forget cats. I've got Dean, Dean yes. the dance machine. That's my my Russian blue that I have in studio with me. He'll probably meow if I t- say his name enough. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny when they know I'm doing the show. Dean or my dog Love, who came off the streets of Dallas. Uh, he's the pit bull uh, mix. He and he's Love. That's where he got the name from. Uh, Yeah, they both came off the street. There's so many on the street, especially here in Dallas. I heard last week that 126, uh, 120, uh, what was it, 126,000 animals were put to sleep in just the Dallas uh, area, uh, Dallas city limits last year. Do you have the current numbers? Uh, Euthanasia numbers from unwanted animals Um, in the Dallas area? That's definitely not the total for us. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm going to assume that's for all shelters. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, it's we are we are trying to maximize life saving right now. And so mm-hmm. part of that and that's that's where we really run into a problem with this uh, upper respiratory disease is we're trying to our playgroup team is working so hard to pair every dog we can find as many dogs that can um, we can co-house together. So mm-hmm. that saves us the kennel each each dog we can up together that'll save us some kennel space and that's why our population's so high right now because we've been doing that really frequently uh-huh. but when you run it but 
but uh, the more dogs we have, the harder it is to uh, avoid illness from spreading in our shelter. Oh, yeah. uh, this, so, th- so it's kind of hard. Like we're fighting two battles right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, yeah, and you guys do such a great job. I see your uh, your trucks outside of Dr. Jimmy Norris's offices all the time when I'm going back and forth with my pets for this or that, and uh, it always breaks my heart. But you guys really, the people that work there, I've seen it firsthand with my own eyes how kind the people are that work with the uh, Dallas Animal Services are to the animals that they're caring for uh, as they try to find them homes. But, um, you know, to get back to the the, uh, the, uh, URI and the CIV that we're talking about, these viruses, is it similar to, I mean, for years, you know, you couldn't be, you couldn't uh, board your dog without a Bordetella shop for kennel cough. This is kind of the same thing, right? So, so Bordetella is one of, so, so kind of what the name, there's so many acronyms, so it's hard to keep up with them. The, so the, the kind of group of illnesses that um, are kind of spread the same way, they're all very different. Um, it's called CIRDC, C-I-R-D-C, and um, that is just canine infectious respiratory disease complex. Right. Yeah. That is any myriad of um, diseases like kennel cough, um, uh, uh, Bordetella, uh, sorry, Bordetella, influenza, any of those little mm-hmm. streps, so any of those little, um, there's various different bacteria and viruses that can affect mm-hmm. dogs. They all have very similar, the reason why they're grouped together is like they all spread very similarly, and they all have very similar symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, they're well, all it's... very treated very similarly. Yeah, and it's no shock. I mean, these dogs that you guys uh, capture for loss, uh, for lack of a better word, or rescue, uh, they come off the street. They haven't had good quality food. They haven't had love. They haven't had fresh, clean water. All these things that yeah. affect their immune system as well. So it makes perfect sense that their immune system would be compromised. And then you put them in a in a confined area with a bunch of other sick animals. I mean, they're going to get sick or they're going to pass it on to one another um, easily with compromised immune systems. They're not out. I guess the one thing about them being out on the street is that they are getting exercise and vitamin D, but they're also fighting the elements starving, emotional deprivation, and all these things that we know animals, especially canines, they're pack creatures. They want to be mm-hmm. with other animals or with humans, right? Getting love like we all do. <laughs> so, Of course. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a challenge, and um, we vaccinate immediately upon intake. Um, and everybody who is, you know, even showing symptoms, it takes a little while to get the test back, but as soon as they start showing symptoms, we get them on the antibiotics. We get mm-hmm. them, and the antibiotics aren't fighting the flu virus because viruses can't be cured by antibiotics. But no, they can't. It helps save off. Mm-hmm. It helps save off secondary infections because mm-hmm. because this doggy flu, while it while it's not fun, it's yeah. it's not really for the, unless it's a you know very young or very old or immunocompromised dog. For the most mm-hmm. part, they fight it off themselves with rest hydration, right. you know, keeping them quiet and isolated. That's that's the treatment. It's just, it's kind of like, you know, for like people us. getting the flu, you just have to stay hydrated. You just Absolutely. have to rest and really take care of yourself. There's not much, med- you know, there's no magic uh, pill for it. Yeah. But, um, and so the love component. The, the, <laughs> the, the love, love component, component is a big is one, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. When you're sick, all all somebody has to do is say, "Oh, you know, sit beside you," you know, and just give you that energy, that love, that energy that can help you to heal. That's an important component of this. I'm looking at the clock. We're going to go for our quick break. We'll be right back. More coming up with Marlo Klingman and the Dallas Animal Services. Stay tuned, everyone. You are listening to One Life Radio. 
If you miss the show, not to worry. You can always catch the podcast after the broadcast at OneLifeRadio.com or your favorite podcast app. Be sweet, barricade. <laughs> Hi, Bernadette here. We are happy to partner with EnviroMedica, makers of unique nutritional formulations that help the body realign with its evolutionary roots. EnviroMedica dietary supplements and probiotics reflect the natural biodiversity of our ancestral diets. Their superior ingredients come from earth, plants and animals wild harvested from the most pristine corners of the planet and sourced from suppliers who meet their highest standards find out how to rewild yourself for optimum health at enviromedica.com that's enviromedica.com there are lots of ways to show you have style wearing fur isn't one of them each year millions of animals are drowned or beaten to death in the wild or gassed or electrocuted in captivity for their coats. Cruelty is one fashion statement we can do without. Please help the animals by joining People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. To find out how you can help, visit furisdead.com or call 757-622-PETA. Back with more positivity pouring out your speakers. It's One Life Radio. Welcome back to One Life Radio, everyone. This is Bernadette with Jerry Caldwell and Marlo Klingman. Uh, she is the interim public information coordinator for Dallas Animal Services. And Marlo has a background in the film and television industry, but has spent the past six years in animal welfare. Uh, their website is bdallas90.org. That's bdallas90.org. Facebook and Instagram at Dallas Animal Services. You guys do a lot of tremendous work there, and you see the worst of the worst, and my hat's off, or my hat off to you, or hats. <laughs> I have several hats <laughs> off to you and all the work that you guys do there at Dallas Animal Services. And so, you know, um, so tell us about this initiative. So Dallas Animal Services uh, is offering $150, uh, an Amazon gift card, for someone who wants to come in and foster some of these remaining dogs that are uh, suffering from CIV or URI. URI, getting over this virus that has uh, spread among uh, d dogs and, uh, and the kennels. And so how can people help, Marlo? What can they do? So the biggest thing is um, if you want to foster, we are processing in, per you know, normally we do it online, have your application online, but we are um, letting people come and pick up a foster and apply the same day if they want. They can just walk right in um, and get that done. That $150 Amazon gift card is awarded after 14 days, or if you get the pet adopted before then, because plenty of them are healthy and adoptable that have been on the exposed side, um, uh, that that works well. If you get them adopted in three days, you'll get your gift card in three days. Wow. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it's it really really will help. And and honestly, our the bigger our foster program is, the more lives we can save. We well, only have a finite number of kennels. And the more homes we have that are willing to take dogs, the more lives we can save here in Dallas. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not only a $150 gift card. In addition to the, so you're going to pay for any supplies and medical care. Uh, yeah. So they, they don't have to say, oh, well, I can't, feed, I can't afford to feed another dog, you know. So the dog food no, is provided. we'll send you home with some food. We'll send you home with a crate. We'll send you home with any medications they're on. We'll give oh, you instructions. Nice. And we've got some training stuff for you to watch when you take your dog home so you're prepared. 
We have a foster Facebook group, so you can immediately connect with all of our current fosters, ask all the questions you need, um, and we have tons of resources. So you're not alone when you're fostering. You have a whole big support system of hundreds of people um, there to answer your questions. Mm-hmm. And I'm reading here that you're promoting a preventative hashtag, uh, hashtag doggy distancing. <laughs> Hard to yes. say that without laughing. <laughs> How can our listeners practice doggy distancing? <laughs> So um, basically for doggy distancing, we're going to, we're really encouraging people right now to avoid some really high areas of, or high risk areas in the public. So, so right now, try not to take your dog to dog parks, um, the pet stores, the, the, the um, uh, home supply shops, the dog, the dog friendly restaurant patios, public Mm -hmm. transportation, boarding facilities, grooming, like, uh, dog parks, all that. We want people to just not do that right now. Try yeah. grooming your pet at home. If you have to board your animal, um, just make sure they're up to date on their all of their vaccinations. Mm-hmm. Check with your boarding facility to ask their vaccination policies. Um, and, and it's really important to know that the, the canine influenza virus vaccine is in very, very short supply and high demand right now, mm-hmm. but it also doesn't prevent, it, it isn't 100% effective. Of the course. December vaccine and a few others are almost 100% effective, mm-hmm. uh, but the CIV vaccine is not. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is, it is always a risk even if your dog's vaccinated. And we do want to encourage people to just consider, you know, if they think, oh, well, my dog's fine. Just think about the the people with service animals who Mm -hmm. might rely on their dog to be with Mm -hmm. them for, um, you know, guidance, people who can't see, people who might need um, physical assistance. Um, uh, So those people have to take their dogs with them. So just, you know, it's just like during COVID when we encourage people to stay home and isolate, Mm -hmm. even if you're healthy and you're not worried about it, your neighbor might be immunocompromised. So this is kind of the same thing. We really want to encourage people to uh, avoid, you know, taking their dog to the dog friendly restaurant because that person who has to bring their dog with them doesn't have Mm -hmm. a choice. Right. Um, so we you really know, want to encourage people to be careful. It's kind of funny, and I think about this all the time. You know, my mother was a nurse, and back in the day, you know, when I was a kid, you just stayed home when you were sick. If you had a fever, you had to give 24 hours for that fever to pass before you would go out in public as a courtesy to not pass on, you know, influenza or all these things, all these viruses that are out there. It's just common sense, uh, and that goes for your dog, too. So. You know, and, and, and take good care of your dog so it doesn't get sick. Make it some homemade food or make sure it's got fresh, clean water and, you know, lots of exercise. All these things that keep our immune systems strong. Give your dog an extra hug. You know, all that stuff matters. It really does. <laughs> Not only for your dog, but for yourself, right? Um, you know, we all live on this planet together, but I don't know. It doesn't, I don't know. We just need to <laughs> go back to common sense, right? <laughs> If you're sick yeah, or your dog and, is and sick, stay at home. We're touching your yes, and and just like when you, if you would come home, you know, if you had to go out in the middle of COVID before the vaccines were available, and you know, we were all washing our hands the second we got back from the store, we were using hand sanitizer. But pet owners should really go back to that because you don't know if you touch. Yeah. You know, if you go out and you pet a dog on the street and let them lick your hand, don't come home and let your let your dog lick your right. hands. Wash your hands first, and well, you know. Yeah, no, I, me too. 
Well, I was the wipey queen when I when I had little ones. I was always cleaning their hands or taking them into the restroom to wash their hands before you eat. That's all common sense. And like you said, the CIV vaccine isn't even 100% effective, and neither are the COVID vaccines. We know that now. Yes. And they're not safe. They're not safe or effective. So the best thing that you can do for you and your dog is to make sure you take care of your health by simple things. If you're sick, don't go out. If you have dirty hands, wash them. Wash your hands regularly. Drink plenty of water. We know that that's critical. And give your dog plenty of fresh, clean water. All these things that are are simple fixes to keep you and your dog well. But uh, I'm looking at the clock, and uh, we are out of town. We're not out of town. We're out of time. (laughs) (laughs) We need to go to break. Marlo, any any final comments that you want to make before we go? Just that we can't... um achieve our mission of a 90% or higher um, positive outcome rate for dogs in our community without your help. So if you Mm -hmm. care about animals, if you love animals, and if you want to see us get to a quote-unquote no-kill community, you have to step up and you have to come foster, volunteer, adopt. We need everybody, all hands on deck right now. We are all shelters, not just us. We are all full. So go to your local shelter, foster, volunteer, help out, support us. Absolutely. Amen. And here, here, sister, <laughs> right behind <laughs> you with a, with my uh, cheering. And thank you so much for jumping on the air with us today and for all of the great work that you do with the Dallas Animal Services. I know I appreciate it, and I know our listeners do, too. Thank you so much, Marlo. Thank Have a so great weekend. You're welcome. Okay, bye. All right. We'll be right back. We've got a great show continuing on today. Our topic uh, with uh, Paula Brown and Laura Held is the FDA's uh, uh, misguidance, if you will, threatens access to homeopathic medicines. If you can believe that, it's true. We're going to talk all about it. Stay tuned. You are listening to One Life Radio. Follow us on social media at One Life Radio. Centuries before scientists identified the incredible nutritive value of beef liver, our ancestors naturally revered it for the energy and vitality it provides. But most people today find liver's health benefits much more appealing than its flavor. That's why our partner Enviromedica offers a superior New Zealand grass-fed beef liver supplement. All the complex benefits of this ancient powerhouse superfood in modern, easy-to-swallow capsule form. Find out how to rewild yourself for optimum health at Enviromedica.com. That's Enviromedica.com. Crazy Waters benefits have a history that runs deep. The legend is that in 1881, a woman who suffered from dementia would sit by the well and drink the mineral water all day long. People began to notice that the woman was not so crazy anymore. Had the well gotten rid of her crazies? The well became known as the Crazy Well, and people from all over flocked to this magical place. Back in 1904, the famous mineral water company began bottling and distributing its mineral water. The benefits of these minerals all feed your body and mind what it craves. It's a natural sports drink without all the disruptive artificial flavors and sugars. You can find Crazy Water by visiting their website, drinkcrazywater.com. That's drinkcrazywater.com. Contagiously positive. One Life Radio is back. <laughs> Happy Furbulous Friday, everyone. <laughs> Welcome back to One Life Radio. This is Bernadette Fiaschetti with Jerry Caldwell, and we are broadcasting live from Dallas, Texas on iHeartMedia, as well as KMET in Southern California on ABC News Talk. Jerry, you're killing it on the music today. I always love the music that Jerry picks. He has an incredible uh, uh, music background. (laughs) 
you. <laughs> you really do. I just love little yesterday's show. That song that you pulled. I don't know where it was about. I can't even remember. But I was like, this is a, this is a song that Jerry definitely picked. Uh, but always great to be on the air with you, Jerry. It really is um, for a lot of reasons, and that being one of them as well. But uh, we've got a great show continuing on here today at One Life Radio, and it is Fabulous Fridays uh, because we love animals. We really, really do. All of us here. At uh, but today our topic is, uh, or our guests, I should say, we have two guests with us. We have uh, Paula Brown and Laura Held. Uh, Paula, I- I'm saying that wrong. It's Paula, right? Paula, are you there? You're doing good. <laughs> All versions are good enough. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's great to have you with us, by the way. But let me officially introduce you. So Paula, she's been on the show before. She is an experienced speaker and educator whose homeopathy work empowers other moms and families to incorporate homeopathic principles into their lives. She has an MA in curriculum and instruction from State University, and she has enthusiastically uh, written every word of the Teach My Health and Home homeopathy homeschool curriculum herself as president of americans for homeopathy choice paula advocates for consumer rights to access homeopathic medicine uh her partner in crime here today laura held is a wife mother uh home educator and student at the academy of homeopathy education uh as the grassroots director for americans for home uh, homeopathy choice um, laura oversees the nationwide volunteer advocacy team advancing the organization's efforts to foster the inclusion of the consumer voice in the policy decisions on homeopathic medicine it is an honor to have you both with with us today welcome to one life radio hey glad to be here yeah and laura you're on the line as well i guess we're doing a zoom call right yeah thanks for having us Oh, yeah. It's a you know, big old audio party. It's a big old audio party. It is. And, uh, you know, Laura, you also previously worked for the Federal Reserve Board of Governors and was integral to the development of the U.S. currency uh, education program, training domestic and global stakeholders for the launch of the new design of the $100 note. That's a pretty cool little uh, tidbit about you. Uh, your website's for both you. Okay, so it's Paula Brown, which is spelled pay. P- not pay. I, why do I keep going there? It's P A O. You know what it is in radio. First thing in radio, you're you're trained on payola. 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 Yeah. You can't take payola if you don't know what it, what it is. Look it up. But we're not guilty of it. Never have been. Uh, I'm proud to say. <laughs> so. Uh, pa- 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 Paola, pa- Paola's <laughs> website. This is going to be a fun show. Paola's website is P-A-O-L-A. That's paolabrown.com or at homeopathychoice.org or on Instagram at Paula Brown Homeopathy. So let's get this party started. Okay, so Paula, will you remind listeners what homeopathic medicine is? Yes, so homeopathic medicines, and actually, Laura, you might want to chime in because she's the actual homeopathy student. I'm just, I like to joke I'm a mommyopath. I'm a mom who (laughs) uses homeopathy very well at home, but I can define it. Um, It's basically uh, a very um, natural form of medicine. It's under that umbrella, but you can't mix it up with home remedies. It is its own distinct thing, just like acupuncture and herbalism. Homeopathy is its own thing. And um, it uses very dilute substances that stimulates our bodies to cure. The most guiding principle of homeopathic medicine is the law of similars. So whatever a substance in its crude form produces symptoms, it will cure you in its diluted form. So the example we always give is onion. Onion, if you're sitting there chopping an onion, you're going to get egg white, runny nose, watery eyes. Then um, if that gets prepared 
homeopathically, that means it's diluted. And then um, you would take that for an illness that has those same symptoms like a cold or allergies. As long as those symptoms match the homeopathic remedy, you um, it will stimulate a cure. And you don't make the remedies at home yourself. You actually buy them prepared at pharmacies because in the United States, homeopathy is legally a drug. That means the FDA does oversee the manufacturing and labeling of homeopathic medicines. So... That was a quick, quick one. <laughs> why in the okay? So why in the U.S. and not other parts of the world? What is it about the U.S. that wants to control homeopathic medicines? Well, Laura, why don't you take that one because it's, it's, it has a really interesting history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I'll just add that for those of you who are more familiar with acupuncture, it's kind of similar in using the, um, stimulating the body's own healing response, um, but in, in homeopathy, you use substances found in nature rather than the needles. So sometimes that helps people conceptualize it a little bit better if they have familiarity with acupuncture. Um, but to answer your question, uh, homeopathic medicines are regulated in other countries. Um, people might uh, be, not be familiar with the history of homeopathy, and that it was actually developed by a German doctor um, back in the late 17 into the early uh, 1700s into the early 1800s, um, and so it quickly became this systematized form of medicine um, that just swept the globe. And it was in the early 1900s when homeopathy was alive and well in the United States. There were hospitals and and, uh, universities all based around homeopathic medicine. And there was a homeopathic physician um, by the name of Royal Copeland, who was a senator for New York, a U.S. senator. And at that time, they were looking at um, changing the, the food and drug law. Um, and so they introduced the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act. And in that act, they included homeopathic medicines as mm. a category of drugs. And at that time, there was no intent to um, limit the, the individual's ability to prescribe for themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and I think Copeland put it in the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act in an effort to protect homeopathic medicines at the time. There was a lot of charlatans making products that weren't actually homeopathic, and so mm-hmm. he wanted to kind of control the use of that word and protect it by including it as a drug. So it, in the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act, it says anything in the United States Pharmacopeia, in the National Formulary, which are two books that list conventional drugs, or anything in the homeopathic pharmacopoeia of the United States, any of these are legally drugs in the United States. So he was basically legalizing homeopathy at the time and enshrining our access to this medicine at the time. But as governments do, they get bigger. Um, I think the nature of government is to try and take, you know, and control things. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, we're, we find ourselves where we are today where we, we're having some troubles. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine who is uh, is a homeopathic practitioner, uh, she doesn't practice right now. It just got to be, uh, I don't know, a little too controversial for her, for even in her family, you know. Uh, a lot of people think that people that are involved in homeopathy are quacks. And you know it, I know it, you, you hear it, right? It's simply not true. But uh, she said to me that the reason that this is happening is because that you can't patent that, these, these processes, if you will, through homeopathic medicine in order to develop these medicines from nature. Is that true? 
Yeah, that's totally true. I mean, think about the source materials for homeopathic medicines before they become diluted. You have onion, you have, like Laura said, the vast majority comes from nature or existing substances that cannot be patented. And I and I do think, um, you know, when it comes to conventional drugs and medicine, there's this whole pageantry and costume. You know, you go to the marbled halls of a hospital and the pristine, you know, office of a doctor, and they have mm-hmm. this big degree that costs so much money. And there's this whole kind of illusion that they know everything, and, and people want to be part of this whole pageantry, I guess. And, and of course, there is value in conventional medicine, Mm -hmm. but because homeopathic medicines, you can buy a little bottle. Um, I mean, I used to have a chronic illness that we've talked about about before in previous shows. I mean, the cost of the actual medicines for me to finally get cured probably cost cumulatively over the span of three years, maybe 50 bucks, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's not, the money isn't there. And when the money isn't there, you can see that people um, yeah, I think that's. I think money is is a big is a big problem for homeopathy, but also a gift because we can all access it. It's it's the people's medicine. So yeah, and so uh, you know, let's go to this. So this what what prompted the show today is uh, the the threat to homeopathy. The FDA the FDA has the power to room, remove homeopathic medicines. Uh, and so, you know, let's talk about the FDA has finalized new guidelines for homeopathic drugs, which would give them the power to remove properly formulated homeopathic products currently uh, legal under the under the Food and Drug and Cosmetic Act that you talked about uh, just a few, sec- a few minutes ago. What could this mean for homeopathic medicine, you guys? What does it mean? Let's kind of break it down. Okay, step one is homeopathy is legally a drug, and, you know, Congress enshrined our access to that by making it legal in the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act. So it's a legal form of medicine. Mm -hmm. But then for the first time ever in 2017, FDA comes out with a policy document. It's not even a legal avenue. Like, like, you know, there's a lot of discussion about if if FDA is going to do a drastic change, it's going to contravene the law, Right. So they do a drastic change that is so drastic, it goes against the law. And they're saying everything being so, every homeopathic medicine being sold right now is being illegally marketed, which means, to answer your question, that they can pull medicines, homeopathic medicines, off the shelf for any reason or no reason at all. Because think about it. If there's a medicine on the shelf that FDA says is illegally marketed, what other reasons they need to pull it off the shelf? They don't need a safety concern. They don't need to have any other reason other than that belief. And it is a belief. It mm-hmm. is not how the law was intended. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I, this just popped into my head, and um, I, 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 I'm trying to process it as I'm, I don't want to make a fool of myself, but this, this story sounds very familiar to me, the same thing they did with marijuana. Interesting. <laughs> you know, wow. right? <laughs> I know, wow. But, you know, if you think about all the medicinal properties of marijuana and then all of a sudden it becomes illegal and uh, and now in the last few years, now now it's become, they can, uh, it's, it's, I opened a big can of worms here. I realize that. And maybe we can talk about it at a different time and maybe just stay focused on what we're talking about. But it popped into my head. It's live radio. We're talking about holistic and alternative health. And I think it's something that we need to think about. We need to think about everything and what's going on in our country, in our government, and 
what the Food and Drug Administration is trying to do. I personally think it's very wrong what they're trying to do. So are you saying that they, like, okay, so if I go to my local vitamin shop, okay, or my vitamin store that's got um, homeopathic medicine, I'm trying to think of the brand Highlands is the one I used to buy when I was a, when my children were little and I used to carry the little kit in my diaper bag for my kids. Those are no longer going to be available or that they may not be available anymore? They can pull them? Well, Laura, tell them the FDA is saying that many of the medicines are going to stay available. So talk a little bit about what they say. So in this policy document, they try to calm everyone down, and they say many of the medicines are going to remain available. Right. Yeah, they say essentially they're, they're saying all medicine, uh, anything labeled homeopathic is subject to this. But we anticipate that many will remain available outside of our enforcement um, uh, risk categories that we've outlined here. So they go on to outline these risk categories, and they're so broad and vague that you can possibly know what they're going to go after next. Because mm-hmm. the first thing they went after was a perfectly safe set of medicines manufactured by a, a company in Germany. And they used to be they used to have a presence in the U.S., but then a U.S. company bought bought that arm of them and brought them into the U.S. Um, they're FDA registered. They're following all of the laws as far as manufacturing and labeling. They have an unparalleled safety record. They've been used 325 million times in over 20 years and had one adverse event report. <laughs> so that was That's exhibit fun. A of this yeah. isn't, we don't care if it's a safety, an actual safety problem. Yeah, yeah. Although they say it's a safety, although they say it's like to protect the safety of consumers, right. but the first one that they yeah. got off the market was so, I mean, it has an impeccable record. Now, uh-huh. these medicines were sold directly to practitioners, so they weren't the kind that you would have seen on the shelves. But what we're saying is the the policy is so overbroad and vague that everything is vulnerable, and we just have to take the FDA's word at it because they mm-hmm. say, yeah, many are going to remain, you know, mm-hmm. available. And I'm like, okay, well, my sister-in-law has many children. She's got 12 kids. Is that mm-hmm. how many we're going to have? Like, what does many even mean? Yeah, you know? yeah. So we just can't. We can't trust them at their word. And, and you know, what you were talking about marijuana just like a second ago, um, you know, this is the nature of government. You have Congress. They make something legal because they want people to have access to it. Mm-hmm. But then the government, as it goes on, is, is this is just how, you know, just as the moon draws water, there's this gravitational pull for the government to take more control and more control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the relationship of citizens and their government is to push back Keep that in check. You fall asleep at the wheel, it will encroach, and it will keep taking. Mm -hmm. And you have to stay alert and awake. And we're at a really critical time in our government. We're staying awake, active, and alert is important. And that's what we've tried to do at Homeopathy Choice. Really, Laura's, I like to joke, I'm the right brain of Homeopathy Choice. Laura's the left brain. They've got the full brain here. Yeah. But, um, you know, ultimately, we've really tried what we're doing. is We're being successful at it. We've organized. We've organized this energy to become very effective. Well, you, you're both very astute, and I am enjoying this conversation, and I know our listeners are too. Unfortunately, we have to go for a quick break, but we'll be right back. Stay tuned. More coming up. You are listening to One Life Radio. You're listening to One Life Radio. Make sure you check out our podcast and get to know the show at oneliferadio.com. 
In today's environment, books provide the most reliable means for disseminating knowledge. Children's Health Defense Publishing offers titles written by foremost authorities and courageous voices who speak the truth despite criticism and consequences, often at the expense of their careers. Here are the latest must-reads in the fight for truth. The Courage to Face COVID-19, Preventing Hospitalization and Death While Battling the Biopharmaceutical Complex by true crime writer John Leake and prominent research cardiologist Dr. Peter McCullough. Lies My Government Told Me and the Better Future Coming by Dr. Robert Malone. And Cause Unknown, the epidemic of sudden deaths in 2021 and 2022 by former BlackRock fund manager Ed Dowd. Get your copies today at skyhorsepublishing.com and listen to the show every Monday with Mary Holland, president of Children's Health Defense for updates and deep dives into these new releases. That's skyhorsepublishing.com. Want to advertise on One Life Radio? Send us an email, info at oneliferadio.com. We're back. More of One Life Radio starts now. All right, everyone. Welcome back to One Life Radio. This is Bernadette with Jerry Caldwell, Paula Brown, and Laura Held. We are discussing the FDA's misguidance <laughs> that threatens access to homeopathic medicines. Okay, so uh, where do I want to go with this? So, uh, you know, okay, so Paula, what reasoning does the FDA give for withdrawing its previous, or its, excuse me, its previous policy, which included steps to bring homeopathic medicines to market? Well, you know, the FDA does have to give a reason for it because they have to kind of justify their actions, right? Mm-hmm. And the reason they gave is, is really interesting. They say because of the growth in the market, because homeopathy is growing so much, because of mm. course it is, because everybody is so sick, because <laughs> all of the medicines that they are taking yeah. aren't good and aren't working, right? All the drugs are taking. So they said because of the growth in the market, we really want to like revamp and reevaluate our approach. Mm-hmm. And of course, they're going to like point to, to situations um, that involve risk. But what's so interesting about the FDA pointing out like the, the safety concerns is right. they do like, have you seen that movie Minority Report where they're trying to like precognition catch people before they do it it's like they say well yeah. some of the source materials these medicines are made out of are toxic and it's like okay well that's why the manufacturing process of homeopathic medicines that makes them very dilute and totally non-toxic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is important homeopathy isn't the source material it's the diluted final version once it's on the little little round pellet yeah um and so yeah that's the reason they gave it laura do you want to add to yeah. that yeah, the yeah, growth. In the office. <laughs> I have to. I have to comment the growth. Yeah, the yeah. growth because it's very profitable, and these pharmaceutical companies are going to capitalize on that, just like they have with marijuana and CBD oil and all these other things that we know that are in the history, mostly of the USA, uh, not other countries that their governments uh, do this to them. Maybe uh, you know I, the UK is a little uh, guilty of that as well, um, and a, a few other countries. But you you can't help but see the writing on the wall unless you're really you know, just just closing your eyes to all of this. I don't know how you could, but some people choose to. It's To me, I see the, it's just another form of corruption, in my opinion. Yeah, it is. And it, it is, it's totally another form of corruption. And, and I mean, I'm, I, I can't say it enough. Our role as citizens is to push back and we have right. to push back. We do. If not, we, we start losing this, you know, um, I'm actually from Brazil originally, and they've been oh, wow. going through a lot of, yeah, a mm-hmm. lot of stuff with their president, and the, the Bolsonaro is now in Florida, and, 
and Lula's a new president. And it's just like I've I've been so impressed and amazed that they they were peacefully protesting mm-hmm. and, and really showed up. And that passion is so important. And I think sometimes in Western countries, like we have to be passionate about this and we have to do it in an appropriate, organized mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. We have to we have to step up. Yeah, no, we really do. I mean, our founder, our founding fathers were, were brilliant men. We know that. And uh, the First and Second Amendment are two of the most important ones because the people must remain more powerful than government. That's the only way we can keep the balance that we need to keep everybody in check and keep them uh, honest, right? I mean, they're worried about the safety of homeopathy but not vaccines. I mean, it just doesn't even make sense. It doesn't make sense because it's, 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 not, it's, not, uh, it's not logical. It's just not logical. It makes no sense. So uh, let me go to this because I don't want to run out of time. Uh, what are some of the, but what were you going to say? Uh, uh, um, Laura. Laura, yes. Yeah, I was just going to say we had talked about that risk-based approach, and that was another reason FDA gave was that they're just bringing this policy in line with their risk-based, risk-based approach generally. And so they're just applying these very, very generic risks that they've developed for drugs in general and mm-hmm. applied them to homeopathic medicines and as we know, that's a completely different system of medicine, and it's it's just not even there's no uh, not very sound science to to back the risks that they have applied to homeopathic medicine. Mm-hmm. What are some examples of medicines that fall under the homeopathic umbrella? Okay, so like I talked about Allium Sepa, which is that remedy made from onion. In homeopathy, we use a Latin word. For all of these medicines, so instead of onion, we say allium sepa. A really, a really amazing one is um, my friend. Her daughter, um, Kathy's or Kathy's granddaughter, suffers from really serious anaphylaxis type reactions. Mm-hmm. And um, if she gets exposed to milk or peanuts, she can have this really strong anaphylaxis type reaction. And so one time when she was accidentally exposed to one of her allergens, she started going into anaphylaxis. They were at the park. Dad starts sprinting across the field to get the EpiPen from his car, but um, Kathy had in her purse a little homeopathy kit, so she pulled it out, and she pulled out a remedy called Apis Mellifica, and if any of you guys are beekeepers, you already know what that is because you run into that word Apis a lot. It's a remedy made from honeybee, which stimulates that cure, Um, and so so Grandma, um, Kathy, our friend, she gave a little, a few pellets under the tongue or just in the mouth of her granddaughter. And wow. immediately the anaphylaxis has melts melts away, Mm-mm. and so it's really and people like at the party like it was just this like really great scene right all these onlookers seeing this happen and and um, they were just like what just happened mm-hmm. and it's hard to believe like it's hard to believe that we could have something so powerful and so mm-hmm. profound in our midst. But and and we think conventional drugs have it all, and that's really the plan right the plan is. Right. Right. For us to think that the only way forward for these serious things is Big through the conventional pharmaceutical mm-hmm. model. And, yeah. you know, something Laura and I say to Congress all the time is, like, we need to protect the diversity of medical options. There sh- we should not be narrowed down into one choice. Mm-hmm. Have you spoken before Congress? Uh, yeah, we have. We had a congressional um, uh, congressional briefing in, in Washington, D.C., and Laura and I speak with congressional offices, the staffers, and the members themselves many times. And, and actually, you know, I would love to, if, if you want, um, have Laura talk a little bit about our grassroots program because it's yes. really amazing. We're not seeing this being done anywhere else in natural medicine. 
and um, we're we're really making a lot of a lot of gains and gaining a lot of um, opportunities. So. Yeah, let's talk about it. And and the next time you're in D.C., let me know. My daughter just, uh, I just dropped her off in D.C. over the weekend. I'm officially an empty nester, and I want every reason I can to go to D.C. and visit her. So <laughs> let me know. <laughs> All right, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, and even beyond natural medicine, you know, organizations are so heavily, uh, or industries are so heavily relied upon by lobbyists to do their work in Congress. And oh, yeah. so we've kind of looked we flipped that model um, because, A, Paolo and I don't have the time to, you know, keep up relationships with 535 offices. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, we to do that, you obviously need a lot of resources to have lobbyists cover that number of offices, um, monetary resources. And so we have organized a group of constituents who are building relationships with their offices. And it is making a huge difference. We actually had a letter uh, sent to the FDA last year by a group of uh, 12 Democrats and 13 Republicans, including two senators. Mm-hmm. And that was a pretty remarkable feat for what you know they consider to be a pretty small issue in their on their um, list of priorities. And so, um, and that was all a result of our grassroots team. Um, mm-hmm. It just wouldn't have happened without those relationships being built. And so that's what we're doing as we, I mean, we have, we have people who have been on our HAP team since the beginning. So they have three, four year relationships going on now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is just totally invaluable. Yeah, well, so we, no, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, I was, <laughs> there's, some, there's some really great stories where we have like, you know, like, Okay, we got a phone call from one of our friends in Congress. When, when this letter got sent to the FDA, one of our friends in Congress, their, the office, called or emailed me. And they were like, how did you get so many people on both sides of the aisle to sign on a, like, basically kind of a health issue that, that is freedom of choice, right? How did you get both sides of the aisle? Because typically you might get more of one or the other. It might mm-hmm. be kind of squirrely. And it's because we have these grassroots members that communicate, build a relationship with the office. We tell everyone it doesn't matter what party they're on. It doesn't matter what they voted on before. Help our issue become their issue and build that relationship. And then I have a really funny story. Like when we were trying to get signers onto that letter, we were like, push, there's a deadline. We got to get, we got to get them. We got to get them. Well, there was this one woman and she was uh, really trying to get her, her congressman to sign onto this letter. And she was calling the staffer and calling the staffer. And she had built a pretty good rapport with them and, and was just like, have you heard back? Don't forget. Okay. I need to know by the day. I need to know, you know, she was really on him. And then they called her and they're like, okay, he signed the letter. And she's like, great. Thank you so much. You're awesome. Right. So she hangs up the phone and her husband looks at her and he's like, you know why he signed the letter, right? And she's like, why? And he says, because that staffer walked into the congressman's office and said, listen, if you don't sign this letter, this woman is not going to leave us alone. Oh, wow. There you go. I need her on my sales team. No, (laughs) I'm joking. (laughs) But yeah, no. Really? It's like. It's oh my gosh! Well, the, the music is playing. You guys have to come back. I'm going to help you any way I can. Let's let's get a spot recorded to get people educated. This is a big thing. It's a threat to our health and our wealth of this nation. It's all connected. Everyone, have a great weekend. Paula and Laura, thank you so much for jumping on the show today thank and you. all the work that you do. Love you, sisters. You get one body, you get one mind, and you get one life. Stand up to corruption, everyone. Stand up to it. <laughs>